Do you aspire to be a woman who stands in her power, unapologetic for her success, and unwilling to compromise on her standards, values, and goals? Welcome. This is the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where Angela Gennari speaks with extraordinary women who are breaking barriers, shattering glass ceilings, dominating their sports, and rising to the top of their industry. It's time to step into your power. Thank you for joining us today. We have Ms. Christelle Parham with us from Making Black Tech and Ham Tech Solutions, and we are so excited to have you here. I know that you will be an incredible source of inspiration because I have read your story and I have learned about you, and you are an extremely exceptional woman, so I'm so happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. So we are going to talk a little bit about how you got here, and I know that you were born in Haiti. Is that That's right? That's correct. Awesome. Yes, Haiti. So what brings you here? When did you come here? Tell me about your journey. Okay, so pretty much I grew up in Haiti and at the age of about 11 or 12, I moved to the United States. I actually moved in South Florida. Okay. Um, lived in Broward County and Dade County for a few years and seven years ago I moved to Macon. So brought, what brought me here, I guess, not, it's not a glamorous story. <laughs> when I was growing up, my mom and dad, they were in the middle of separating, but also there was a lot of political unrest and, you know, for safety, they, yeah. they had me go to South Florida. Okay, good, mm -hmm. good. And so are you, you are very entrepreneurial right now. You yes. have a very <laughs> incredible career. And have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Yes, actually, entrepreneurship is growing up in Haiti. I grew up watching my great aunt. She owned the only bookstore slash library in the neighborhood. Wow. And my grandparents from my mom's side lived in the country. My grandfather was the only auto parts store for miles in, in the wow. city that they lived in. My grandpa and my grandma, they actually... Most of their kids were entrepreneurs. My uncle was an engineer to the president. And my grandma was also an entrepreneur. So I, I pretty much saw it all around me. I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know when. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's incredible that you've had that kind of influence in your life because mm -hmm. what a great... Uh, role model set that you've had mm -hmm. women and men yes which is incredible because yes. it's so rare especially mm -hmm. with your grandmother being an entrepreneur yes. and, and how amazing is that so you really did you were able to envision it as a child whereas I think a lot of girls especially young we we can't envision that for ourselves just yet mm -hmm. uh, we don't have as much uh, of that influence in our lives and mm -hmm. so that's incredible that you did and it's no doubt of why you've become as successful as you are so that's amazing thank you well good for you yes. and i know that you've got a great work ethic because you are running multiple businesses right now yes. <laughs> so I'm you definitely stay busy not on my own but doing my best yes, yes. it's not a, it's not a glamorous story but we're doing well, our best. I, I'd love to hear about Hamtech Solutions. So you are in a very specific space of HIPAA regulations and cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So talk about male-dominated space. I mean, mm -hmm. you are really just driving tech in some of the most tricky waters that you could be in because, I mean, it's very highly regulated, I mm -hmm. would imagine. Well, yeah, thank you for asking. So pretty much with Hamtech Solutions, we are in making and we service a lot of the local smaller practices. We have some clients in Atlanta as well and North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the random one. Um, not random, but 
you know, geographically random. Right. But yeah, what we do is first, when we first started as as new business owners, we're doing as anything. We were doing IT and things of that sort. Um, but when life got a little busier, we decided to go into HIPAA management and specialize in it only. It is heavily growing. So also a little bit of background for me and even for my husband and how we ended up in that field. My husband was doing it full time as an employee, but also I was work. My background's actually in accounting okay. and I was doing auditing at a local hospital and then later on moved on to become a contractor in the innovation department. That's one of my favorite places that actually kind of led me to go full-time into full-time entrepreneurship. Yeah, so as we started working in that space, we realized that we were already, based on the experiences that we were building, we were navigating into being very niche. Yes. Yes. Well, that's incredible. And you started the company with your husband when? How long ago? Um, so, fun fact, we didn't even know. We were just friends at the time, actually. I helped pick out the name. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. And then little did I know this was going to be, you know, like our family business. Um, but yeah, and what happened was, as I, as Arian is my husband's name, we were working full time, both of us. And he started working more hours, and we had just gotten married. Mm -hmm. So one of us needed to quit first. He quit first because my insurance was the best in the city. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and then later on I quit. Um, okay. So yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And the company is how old now? We've had the company since 2012. What's the math on that? Ooh, about 10 years. Okay, yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes so about 10 years. Awesome. Yes. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. That's that's great because, you know, as entrepreneurs, one of the biggest achievements is getting past that one-year mark. Yes. And then they say five years is the next big milestone. Mm -hmm. And so 10 years is tremendous. So good for you. That's Thank amazing. You. Good, good, good. And then more recently, you started a incubator accelerator called Making Black Tech. Mm -hmm. Tell me what drove you into that. Well, yeah, thank you. So pretty much Making Black Tech started because we being in Macon, although like I shared with you that my family in Haiti were entrepreneurs moving away when I moved to Macon, I didn't have my family to call to say, hey, how do you do this? And right. then also feeling like the rules in Haiti are, when it comes to entrepreneurship, are different. Yeah. Like, we really didn't know what we were doing. We were just trying to figure it out. As <laughs> it, thank God all our bills were paid. But, like, we were figuring it out, you know. But also, as we were doing that, we realized that we needed to have we needed to find a sense of community so that we did we because we felt alone right and even for me I wanted to find other women that look like me or any women at all just to feel like hey to share similar stories as to persevere so we found community in the ecosystem in Atlanta yes. so because we have clients here we ended up joining a local co-working space on um, yeah. the gathering spot and we would attend their events and things like that and and we found community being from south florida from one of the ecosystem builders in miami called felicia she also had an uh, organization so we were we were just attending these events trying to figure out what other people are doing and what happened was we were like 
we are driving a lot. (laughs) So, and we realized that the people that look like us that were in the community as well, they were looking for the same. So that's how we ended up creating Making Black Tech. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and what I love is that, you know, you guys see there was a gap in service. And Mm -hmm. I love that you call it an ecosystem Mm -hmm. because there's nothing more relevant Mm -hmm. than saying that business entrepreneurship is an ecosystem because it really is because it takes all of us working together and supporting each other and nurturing each other to rise up yes and I think that that's so incredibly important and so I love that you guys call it an ecosystem because that is really telling about how important it is in the community to have something where you can grow and thrive. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's incredible. So with making black tech, you have entrepreneurs that come to you and are looking for support. So what kind of support do you provide to them? So when we just started with Make It Black Tech, we're just running a few events. We had networking events, we had virtual events, but what ended up happening as we were starting out we had a vision, for example, that's how the Makeathon came about, right? We had a vision of providing a space where entrepreneurs can learn about how to develop ideas and how to do it in a space where the resources come to you, rather you seek them out right. and then pitch them so that you can be in the ears of investors and things like that. I know that in a lot of different communities, like pitch days, demo days, or accelerators, they're very common, but mm-hmm. we don't really have that locally. So that's how we ended up starting making make the Makeathon. So with the Makeathon, what we did was we created a three-month program where people could develop their ideas. We've had a lot of good classes, like class from Microsoft, from Google, in like founder stories. A lot of the things that we've implemented during the mm-hmm. program were founder stories because it's one thing to have an idea and want to pursue it. But sometimes when you're in a soil where everything is so new, it's hard to have it stick. You know, it's hard to have it grow. So sometimes you just need that story that inspires you. And that's personal for me because Mm -hmm. as I was building things out, like I know we've talked earlier about being able to have conversations with male in the space. Like I've had conversations with other founders in the space where they have that confidence. Cause you know, even for me, one of the examples I'll share is As I became a contractor, that's when I really experienced imposter syndrome, right? Uh So you probably read this already. I'm a full-blown introvert. Uh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of times I live in my head and I just show up and I have a thought in my head and I get it done. But other than that, you probably won't see me (laughs) outside or anything like that. So for me, as... I was um, working on Making Black Tech and Makeathon. Although I've seen a lot of great spaces that I envisioned that Making could look like, it was not quite there yet, right? And I feel like one thing that I equated to, not that I know any scripture as well, but I mm-hmm. equated to the Noah's Ark, right? Because, yes. you know, he was building, I wish there was a woman version of the Noah's Ark. <laughs> He was building and he looked foolish to a lot of people, but when it came and made sense, and that's the same thing, right? As I was going in different spaces and talking about um, wanting to create a safe space for black founders, people were like, what? 
what is a safe space like y'all don't because also a little bit of background Macon is 54% African American okay um but a lot of times we don't really see a lot of different environments where there's not much tech enable environment for founders of color I see you know so wanting to build something first it's hard to sell the dream if people don't see the necessity for it right so I have to believe in the dream myself to see it through absolutely I've had the privilege to have these raw conversations with other ecosystem builders outside of my community that have really said if no one can understand what you're doing that means it needs to be done you know, so that has really motivated me to persevere. I love it. I love it. So clarity of message is something that I think it becomes challenging because you don't have to just sell the the need for it. You have to sell the why, right? Yes. So it's one thing to say, this is why we need it and how I think it's going to improve everything. But this is also why it matters to you, yes. right? Because it's the why to you. Why does this matter to me? Yes. If you're trying to sell me something, I can understand, okay, that's a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. But also, why do I care? You yeah. know? And so that is the challenging conversation to have yes. because you really have to understand somebody's motivation yes. and you know how to get them involved in a conversation, especially when you're talking to somebody who is not a a black business owner, yes. right? Because then your conversation has to be, and this is why diversity matters. Yes. This is why you want people of color sitting at the table. This is why you want women sitting at the table. Exactly. Because we can bring experiences and ideas from yes. our own journeys yes. that you may not be able to relate to, but I promise you it adds value. Not only are we having ongoing conversations as to why that matters, like creating touch points, because a lot of times, even if you say it, it may fall on deaf ears now, but you have to show up for the idea. In the beginning, when I would be explaining why making Black Tech was important or why is the makeathon necessary, and it would fall on deaf ears, I would still show up and build, right? I still showed up and created a curriculum. I still showed up and built those relationships mm-hmm. so that eventually, even if people might not understand it now, mm-hmm. like little by little, they're understanding. And the good thing that's happened with that is now, like as soon as an opportunity shows up locally, I'm the first person they think about. Yes. Because they remember Christelle spoke to them about this, yes, right? So, right. Well, and consistency, right? Yes. Consistency and tenacity sometimes beat you know, talent all day long. And mm-hmm. not that you lack talent, mm-hmm. but the consistency and the tenacity that I'm showing up because it's the right thing to do and mm-hmm. I'm going to keep showing up and you can count on me being here next week yes. too. I want you to remember me because I'm showing up for the people who matter to me. Exactly. And I think that more people need to do that for each other, especially in, you know, whether it's a minority businesses showing up for each other or women owned businesses showing up for each other. And I think that's where we are lacking support is that we tend to feel like we're on an island by ourselves. Yes, that's (laughs) so true. You brought up a point that it made me remember my startup journey, right? So as a Haitian, as an Islander or some, an immigrant, one of the things that had been instilled in me is hard work, right? So it was crazy moving um, and trying to connect to the community. I'm a hard worker. I work hard, ain't no doubt about it. But it's funny because I had to quickly learn. One time I read this survey, the success pyramid or something like that. They were talking about working hard was at the bottom 
but how people perceive you and how do you look to others or is actually higher really yeah i forgot what it's called maybe i need to look that up yeah yeah and that really challenged me because like i told you earlier working hard and as an introvert i always believed in doing the the hard work and then it will it will show for it Mm -hmm. but i got to a point where i was so frustrated because i was always being passed around right so it really challenged me to start developing relationships so not only now i still work hard but i also value building relationships is hard so let me ask you this as an introvert Mm -hmm. and as a woman yes how hard is it for you to step into your power and own your success (laughs) i don't know about the owning your success part (laughs) stepping into my power I still struggle with that, and if I'm being honest with you, because navigating a lot of times spaces where, for example, even as current as the Makeathon, it, it's a pilot program, and we've been able to like connect the right relationships to the platform, but a lot of times I'm overwhelmed because I'm scared, right. you know. But last year, actually really challenged me and I lost my grandmother. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Thank you. But when I lost my grandmother, that changed me, you know, because growing up, going back to, I shared with you that my grandmother was an entrepreneur, but also she didn't know how to read and write. But yeah, but she Mm -hmm. actually owned land. She did a lot. She owned a lot of things. But Mm -hmm. I remember how much power she had in her community. Yeah. When she passed away, like the whole, is it a state? I don't know how you transcribe that, where she was from mourned her. Wow. You know? So she had a legacy. She had a legacy. Wow. And she's a short lady, but you don't want to mess with her. <laughs> she's always brought so much power in the rooms that yeah. she's walked in. And I can, growing up, I had been really shy and I've often shrunk myself, right? And and being in the space, like you talked about, being in a male-dominated space and even not just male-dominated, also building something from scratch, mm-hmm. you know, having to translate as to why this is important within our community. Right. It's hard. So when, when she passed away, like, it kind of, like, was, a, it flipped a sw- switch for me to remind me that my legacy was bigger than... I tapped into. Absolutely. Yeah, so. Well, and imagine yeah. her feelings, not knowing she could not read or write, mm-hmm. knowing that she was an entrepreneur. Imagine how scared she was mm-hmm. in a room, you know, where she felt she had to portray confidence. Yeah. Because probably everything inside of her was afraid. Yeah. You know, and felt less than because she couldn't read and write. And because entrepreneurialism was probably her only real path of success Mm -hmm. of of being able to put food on her table. Mm -hmm. So imagine being in her situation and feeling like you're walking in with a disadvantage Mm -hmm. and still having the strength to command a room and still leaving a legacy the way that she did. So kudos to her for the power that she was able to step into, even when I can guarantee you she was terrified at times yeah i mean if she was terrified i know about it (laughs) i don't think any of us did because she mustered a lot of confidence that i'm still learning how to walk into because it gets challenged like even the other day we had one of the makeathon sessions and 
someone mentioned, if you're pitching your idea to an investor or someone that you want to partner with, you're not you're not going to say, "Hey, I'm here in making. I'm building I'm building this product and hopefully you can support me." You're going to say, "I'm building this this organization that in 2025 it will support 1,000 minorities in the Middle Georgia area." And I think a lot of times I forget that I have to constantly switch it up. Yeah. And for me, it's not wrong. It's just for me to like constantly show up and remind myself that, hey, this is available to you. You have the power and authority to just walk into your full self. Yes. So that's available. What so, gives you strength? What gives me strength? That's a great question. What gives me strength? Okay, one of my one of the things because I I my work is community work and in order to tackle community work, I think one of the very first things that I did that I honor is going back to therapy. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> because I do a lot of work that involves getting out of my comfort zone. A lot of times I get overwhelmed quickly, but being able to have my therapist and have vulnerable conversations, it, it's really helped me heal a lot of my childhood trauma, which in turn helps me show up with strength. Well, I love that because, you know, Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Have you read her book? That's I haven't, but I've heard her speak her, her TED Talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, her TED Talk is amazing. So yeah. I love her because for the longest time, I had a hard time being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I really was, I felt like I always needed to be strong. Mm-hmm. I felt like I always needed to convey confidence, even if I was terrified. Mm-hmm. And listening to her is the first time I ever looked at vulnerability as strength. Yes. It's, it's strength to be able to say, hey, I'm really struggling right now, and this is why. That is strength. That mm-hmm. is bravery. Yes. And so having that bravery to say, I'm struggling, I need help, and to ask for help, mm-hmm. or to say, I need advice, or whatever that looks like, to be able to do that, mm-hmm. I no longer look at as weakness. Totally. It's funny you say that, because recently, last year, a few women showed up to me and said that one thing that they appreciated about me is I show up vulnerable in my through my leadership Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how powerful that was because for navigating a lot of spaces a lot of times I've been asked to look differently right but you know as an advantage of working hard to where I am today like one of the gifts that gives is being able to show up as my myself, yeah, right? As your true authentic self. Exactly. And I think that more than anything, I am grateful for the people that have showed up as themselves as well mm-hmm. to to empower me to show up as myself because that right there cuz I think navigating spaces where you don't feel safe, I often seek out people that I I can talk to. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times it becomes challenging to just navigate spaces alone. So, yeah, showing up vulnerable is showing up strong. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that vulnerability allows people to approach you. You yes. become more approachable. Mm-hmm. And when you are, what I realized is that my relationships now are much more authentic 
and strong mm -hmm. because of the vulnerability. Because when I was showing up as strong all the time mm -hmm. and I really didn't let anyone into that vulnerable side, mm -hmm. people felt intimidated like, well, she's got it all together. She mm -hmm. can't possibly understand that I'm struggling and I don't want to share anything or look weak in front of her. And really what it did is the vulnerability allowed me to be a resource for them where they may not have come otherwise. Yeah. And so whether it's employees, whether it's vendors, whether it's, you know, whoever is in our lives, family members, yes. you want to show up vulnerable and authentic because that's how you create deep relationships. For sure. I definitely think for me, though, it took work. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, um, because growing up, culturally speaking, I was taught that was a sign of weakness. Right. You know, so having to unlearn that has has been very hard. Right, I understand. But yet filled with reward. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to 18-year-old you setting out on a journey and, you know, kind of getting that first step into a career? I think for my 18-year-old self, the best advice I would give her is to relax. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I think, like, the pressure of having to show up a certain way and not feeling good enough because of what I I was taught, you know. I spent a lot of times f trying to be perfect, yeah. you know. And even with that came as I started going back to therapy with I realized that I was apologizing all the time. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, and I the advice I would give to my 18-year-old self is to be okay with being a student of learning instead of rushing the process of having to figure it out all fast. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we do that a lot as women. We apologize constantly. You know, I lead a women's small group for mm -hmm. my church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes when the ladies will speak in the group, she's like, I'm sorry if I'm taking up too much time. I'm sorry if I'm like, stop apologizing. Stop. Yeah. We, we do that. We're afraid of taking up too much space. Yes. Right? Like, we're afraid that well, what are they going to do? Are they going to judge us? Do they think less of us? Are we taking up too much space? Yes. Because we're taught to be small, right? Yes. We're taught to minimize. We're taught to, you know, kind of share all the accolades. We don't have to own our success. And, you know, I think it's interesting because when I said, you know, how are you about stepping into your power mm -hmm. and owning your success? And you're like, well, I don't know about owning my success. You are the 2021 Young Business Person of the Year, <laughs> You dominated that space. Mm -hmm. You should own that success yes. because you really are accomplished. And I think as women, we're like, well, I mean, I do okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's a normal female response. Yeah. And I think for me, too, it was more, like you said, I didn't really take time to grasp it. Right. Because, like, the awards that I won last year, right after the award, I had to travel. Right mm -hmm. after the award, I had to do something. And then... Because I'm always doing something, I never stand still, you right. know? And I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's when I said that I realized that things are so rushed because I'm always thinking about step 100, right? right rather than focusing on today. I never fully internalize the things that happen today. 
But I do want to do a better job at that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think when we own our success, we're able to better convey that the importance of it to other women. Yes. And so, so many times we give away our power. We give away our power to our husband, to our team, Mm -hmm. to our community. Well, it's because the community did this. It's Mm -hmm. because my partner did that. It's because, you know, we we share our power or we lift up other people, you know, so that we can minimize our own relevance. And so I think as women, that's one thing that we do to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's where our question of, you know, do we deserve a seat at the table? Mm -hmm. We do deserve a seat at the table. We just have to step into that. We have to step into it and own it and say, this is why I deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. And we're really bad at that. I I know Mm -hmm. I am because it's so funny because I'm, I usually invite myself to the table. Sure. I do that all the time. Yeah. Um, but when I get there, I'm not, able to be fully present because that's when I start having those inward conversations right you know and so that is annulling me finding my strength to just show up to the table right so having to have those healthy inward conversations where you're here now what are you going to do about it right you know right yeah you took the position show me what you can do. Mm-hmm. And it is a struggle. And it's something that I think, and especially being introverted, mm-hmm. you're probably in a position where you're like, should I say anything? Mm-hmm. And then you talk yourself out of it. Yes. Right? You'll talk yourself out of speaking up. Mm-hmm. And I totally understand that. And even though I am more extroverted, I find myself doing the same thing mm-hmm. because I'll start saying, nothing I have to say matters, Mm. you know, nothing I have to say really matters. Nobody really cares. You know, are they going to think I'm, you know, not smart enough if I say this? Are they going to judge me? Mm -hmm. And so you want to be part of the conversation, but we have to teach ourselves that it's okay to speak up and say what we want to say. Definitely. Definitely. And also like creating room for others to do the same too, because I definitely... What I'm grateful for in the work that we do through the community organization is seeing it's it's so humbling and beautiful in the sense of when you see a person imitating what you once worked through, you know, to to let them know, like, look, I don't want you to apologize anymore. I need you to be okay with what you're sharing. Because so many times, and I think that's part of the ripple effect, right? Because we we dream of creating safe spaces. We dream of eliminating barriers for women, for people that we feel like need to be part of a change. It takes work every day, Mm -hmm. right? But to be part of that lesson. So that's why I also believe that there's twofold. The first fold is to work on self because I can't really give you if I am not really preparing myself to show up to do the same. And also, as I'm working on myself and I'm learning these things, I also want to create that room for people that are in the space that I work on and to do the same. Absolutely. Well, I love that you're creating, you know, when you call it a safe space, it really is that. Mm -hmm. It's a safe space to be who you are authentically, vulnerably you, mm-hmm. and supporting people in that role. Yes. And so that's really important. I, I want to talk and ask you a little bit about, you know, you were talking about doing the Make-A-Thon, mm-hmm. and is part of that fundraising and investors, because being a woman and being a, a black woman, mm-hmm. you have probably one of the biggest hurdles in, in getting financing mm-hmm. and getting investors to pay attention. How do you overcome that? 
That's a great question. <laughs> not only that, okay, so being doing what I do also because I do a lot time is limited right so as I make a decision to fundraise I have to also consider what is also not getting done like opportunity costs right like you get something done at the cost of something else not getting done sacrifices sacrifices yeah so and also ego yeah (laughs) because you know all these no's they don't feel good no But yeah, I but I think for me what's really been helpful, although as I fundraise, I get a lot of no's, being part of communities like I'm part of this organization called the Black Innovation Alliance, which is a lot of other entrepreneurs supporting organizations together, forming one organization, we help each other. Wow. You know, that's like yeah. So being part of and that's I'm also part of other communities that do the same. So pretty much finding my community and during the pandemic the pandemic made the earth flat yes <laughs> you know as to like people that would never come to make it now i can just like reach out to them virtually sure. right yeah. so being able to have access to information talking to other people that might have gotten a grant from someone that i didn't get from and i can ask them hey what did you do that was different yeah you know so finding those spaces because i know it Fundraising within itself can be very hard, but one of the things that has helped me is a lot of people feel like how how I feel, like automatically feel like there's a barrier to fundraising. But building relationships with people that are offering funding Mm -hmm. um, has helped me to know what has worked so that way next time I can do better. Absolutely, yeah. So I hope I answered your question. Absolutely, yes, yes, definitely. So... Last question. Mm-hmm. What do you want people to know? Or what do you wish people knew? Oh, overall? What do you wish people knew? Yeah, you can answer it however yes. you want. <laughs> All right. So one of my favorite mantras that I live my life by is you have everything that you need to create impact. And that looks different for everyone. So for me, like when I was starting out, making black tech with no funding, I bootstrapped. What that mm-hmm. meant was we were working ham tech and putting the money towards making black tech. And also another thing that I did was use my relationships. Yes. You know, having social capital is so important. Yes. So instead of, in the way that we frame our questions are important, instead of saying that we can't do something, asking ourselves what can we do with what we have. And that's what's carried me on ever since I was a little girl. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yes, I agree. We we do have all the resources we need. And I think we're really good at making excuses for why we can't get started. But really, truly, the first step is the hardest. Yeah. The if first... we just get through it, mm-hmm. we it, the journey takes us, right? Definitely. Like it, it, doors open as long as we're willing to walk. Definitely. So definitely. I love that. Well, thank you so thank much. You thank you for yourself me. for joining us today. I really enjoyed your story. I'm thank super you. excited about making black tech. I think thank you guys you. are going to be doing amazing things thank for you. so many entrepreneurs and definitely God speeds everything that you're doing. Cause I think you are incredible and you are only getting started on your journey. So thank I you. see a lot of great things happening. So thank you so much, Angela. I am wishing you much success. Thank in this you. New journey. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to hearing what the other 
episodes will be like because we all need a space like this. We do, we do, and I think it's about time. And I think this is not just for women; it's for men too. Yeah, definitely. You know, it really is just a conversation of, you know, how can we really honor those who are doing what uh, what women are, have set out to do, and you know, they've been doing it for so long without recognition. Mm-hmm. And once we start recognizing them, maybe it brings the conversation closer, mm-hmm. and maybe it becomes something where we start seeing the importance of having women at the table and in a conversation when it comes to technology and innovation mm-hmm. and things that you're doing I, th- with the community. Because I think that that's where really it all starts is making sure that our community and the business leaders hear our voices. Definitely. And so as long as we can start there, we have we have a long way to go, but okay. it's going to be amazing. So thank you. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much. So thanks for everything. God did not bless us with this new day so that we can be mediocre. So let's go make the most out of it. So let's go be amazing. All right. Thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Pretty Powerful Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you in the next episode.